Welcome to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One Consulting. This is your go-to podcast on optimizing your day. The Win the 16 podcast features discussions on leadership and coaching, personal and professional development, as well as discussions on the modern work culture and engaging employees in hybrid and remote work environments. Your hosts are Dave Pygon, president of Pygon One Consulting, and his brother, Dr. Bud Pygon, anesthesiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. On today's episode, Dave and Bud help you identify your superpower and show you how to utilize that power to win the 16. Welcome to Win the 16 podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. As always, thank you to Carrie and the team for the support and help. Today, uh, we've got my co-host and partner back after a busy June. He's back with us, Dr. Bud Pygon. So welcome, Bud. Glad to have you back. Dave, glad to be back. Yes, you've been busy. You had a busy one, but we've missed you. I know our listeners have missed you. You've got, I don't want to say cult following out there, Bud, but you've got a nice following out there because people ask about you. Not that they don't enjoy the people we're interviewing, but uh, so you are missed. So welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Nice to hear. Well, today's topic, but we've been we've been talking about this one for a while. We've had a lot of fun with this, just you and I having conversations one on one. And I'm surprised it took us this long to dive into it because we like this one. And not only because you and I and the kids are into uh, the Marvel movies and that kind of stuff. But the topic today is what is your superpower? What is your, what do you what do we really, really, really you use this word, I think, often out of this world at. I mean, we're just special at that. So I thought we would talk about that, which is going to lead into how do we use it? How to identify others that surround us in our working environments, as well as talking about some assessments out there that you and I've taken that have really helped us as long as we spend the quality time to diagnose them, think about them. We thought we'd dive that into that with for everybody today and get people to potentially think about because everyone has got superpowers and they might even have a couple of them. So I thought I'd start, Bud. When I think of you, before we get into some assessments, superpowers, I've known you for a few years here. I think of two things. One is your incredible desire to learn. Uh, I, I find myself a learner, but not in your category. You're the guy who could sit home. Just if you had books, reading material, you'd be good for three days. Some water, food, you'd be fine. Uh, your incredible desire to learn, learn in about a multitude of topics. I think that's one of your superpowers. And the other one, our listeners, to no surprise, because we've said it a hundred times on here, is your another level when it comes to critical thinking. And I see that uh, on a daily, well, for sure, weekly basis in our conversations about Pygon One and all the questions you ask me to help me in my journey on things that I'm looking at, deciding to do. So I think those are your two superpowers in my world. What do you think? <clears throat> well, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I've taken a bunch of these self-assessments and the one that I took that was most in depth uh, was one when I was CMO. I took at uh, work. We did it for a bunch of the people in my office and then a bunch of a physicians that were trying to improve their leadership skills uh, and the learning approach on the Hogan scale was one of my highest scores. Um, you know, and it talked about interested in learning, training, staying up to date, 
bright, well-informed, uh, does well in formal training, educational settings. Uh, and then, you know, the negative part of that is kind of surprised when others aren't as well informed or interested in learning. And it's true when you look at the things that I read in the books I pick up, they're usually history, biographies, you know, I'm always wanting to, you know, I, fiction. And I know I need to read more of that because it is helpful for your mind and thinking, but I'm never as drawn to reading about things that are made up uh, as opposed to things that are real and have happened. Because uh, you want more about that. So yeah, I think those are both true. Uh, um, and it's funny, it's not anything I've done or fostered or worked on. I mean, it's just kind you know, of natural. Who I am. And that's the point of it. Usually our strengths are what we naturally draw into them. And when I have these conversations with people in coaching, whether it's in group sessions or one-on-one -on -one with people, I ask them what their superpower is. We're going to get into this newer one working geniuses out there that's out there as well you and i both taken that assessment it is to get people to really understand not just what their strength or superpower is to that next level how are they using it how are they not using it when are they using it too much when are they using not using it enough how can they use that in situation to help others when are they having the opportunity said I might need to hand the ball off to somebody else who they have a superpower in something that I'm really good at, but their superpower is this. And even though I'm really good at this, I might need to turn it over to somebody who's an, ex an amazing critical thinker like you who can take it to the next level. But you need to take the time to understand that and really have a conversation with people. It could be a coach like me, or it could be just somebody in their inner circle you work with to have these type of conversations to help each other. Yeah, you know, it's funny. One of the podcasts I listen to, it's a sports podcast, um, and I like it because it's an ex-GM. And so he has a, has a, there's a ton of things he knows that he can't say because of his connection still and people talking to him, but he, he reveals a lot of the inner workings of, you know, the NFL and, and, you know, how things play out and what they really mean. And, and, uh, and so again, it's learning as opposed to just opinions, although he has those two, but he, he, he's this summer he's done in the off season, uh, leadership and literature. Cause one of his big things is how important leadership is. So you can see why that podcast appeals to me, you know, it's sort of right. Alley, uh, and he talks about, you know, you look at the teams that always win it's because they have fantastic alignment and leadership. You know, he, you know, he, he loves Tomlin. Uh, you know, Miles talked about Tomlin too uh, uh, at Pittsburgh, uh, but it really starts with the Roonies and, and, and how they build an organization and who they choose thoughtfully to be the face of their organization, their football coach. You know, he loves the Patriots. He loves Belichick again, the leadership, the alignment with Kraft in them. And um, so this past uh, episode they had uh, Pat Lencioni on, the, the guy who does the working genius. Um, and he talked about just what you said, how important it is to build teams and, you know, know your strengths and other people's strengths. So maybe you're the leader of the team, but you're not a particularly great galvanizer. Um, you know, someone who's great to get up there and give the rah-rah speech and get people really rallied and motivated around you. So if you know that about yourself, as the leader of the team, you hire a coach or somebody else who can come in and do that and help with your team. And he, they laid out, or you know, they laid out um, 
different situations where the leader of the team was maybe a little bit more introverted and quiet and wasn't the rah-rah guy, but he had a coach who was the galvanizer. And, um, or you have other people like Tomlin, who is a galvanizer, and he can do that himself. So maybe he needs to hire someone else with different strengths to do some of the other types of things. Um, and so I think that's where these types of assessments can really help organizations know themselves and then fill in their gaps so that they're fully working with people who have the genius level and all these different important things. Well, you bring up the working genius, and this is a book that came out in September of 22 that I read. Then I got it out, got it over to you. We've taken that assessment, and it's interesting. I was just talking to a client the other day. By the way, everyone galvanizing uh, is the ability to rally people around. Uh, could be a product, could be a service, could be a cause. That person, and you all probably can picture that woman or man who can really get people excited about something. And uh, for lack of a word, getting people on a mission on some sort of function. That would be a, someone who could galvanize people. I was with a client the other day, a virtual one-on-one -on -one executive, and we just had conversation, not necessarily working genius necessarily, but just talking about what he does really, really well and what he does. And he's like, yeah, I am not like the head of our organization who he can get up on that stage, he brings that energy, people rally around, they'll run through the wall. And he wasn't putting himself down, he was just doing a phenomenal job of saying, I'm, that's not me, I'm good at this. And I said, you know what, you might not be the person who can get up there for 45 minutes and galvanize people, but you are so likable, you're humble, you're a good person, it comes across when you communicate and when you share your five facts or four things or whatever it might be, very succinctly, you get that audience and people to listen to you because it's factual. You're to the point. Again, you might not be that rah-rah, super, super energetic person, but if you stay in your lanes, you are so effective because I love listening to you because I know it's true. I know it's factual because that's who you are and you come across genuine and authentic and audiences pick up on that. Well, I think, yeah, you bring up a good point too about the authenticity. Uh, people rally around authenticity, right? Yep. And whether it's like you say, the the, the incredibly charismatic rah-rah uh, guy or just like you're, you know, the gentleman you described who's um, incredibly talented and, you know, isn't maybe the rah-rah guy, but when he gets up there and tells his humble, authentic story, it is motivating and rallies people. It speaks to, like you say, you know, not BSing people and staying authentic. And that can be motivating even if it's incredibly different. Right. And he's super likable. Yep. I like this guy. People guess, like that. Sure. Guess what? He's a critical thinker. And you came up in our conversation because I was like, you remind me of brother because he's not that galvanizing guy. But many people can listen to him for long periods of time because it's authentic. They know it's factual because that's the world you live in is fact, fact, fact. You're not going to say something. And if it's not 100 percent, you'll be the first one to say this is what we believe. We don't have it 100 percent proven. This is just the data support. We're going down the right way. So right. I just thought it was an interesting point for people. The reason we're having this conversation about superpowers is we all don't have 100 superpowers in our back. We, we might have one, two, maybe some people have a little bit more than that. 
but other people do, we can learn from them. And even if we don't have somewhere in a superpower, we still can potentially either bring value in it. We just have to understand how do we use it? Where do we go? Where don't we go? And when do we turn to other people in the organization who we go, you're spectacular at this. I would love for you to lead this, do this, handle this. What do you think? And it can make an organization even better. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we have that at work. I mean, being in an academic institution, we sort of have this, you know, traditional medical tripart uh, type mission, right? Clinical care of patients, education of residents, and training the next generation of physicians and research. Um, you know, and it used to be the old days, oh, you know, you found someone who was great at all three. I, I mean, that's just that's just not the reality. The skill set necessary to be a good researcher, a good educator, a good clinician are incredibly different. And I frankly have only seen and worked with really one person, uh, my mentor when I was at Pittsburgh, um, who was really outstanding at all three, right? Everybody else has, you know, is a good clinician or a good educator. I shouldn't say, you know, or either or, but is great at one versus the other. Um, and so this whole sense that, you know, you're great at all three. And, and that's what we do in our department now. You know, we hire people who are great researchers and, and we try to put the great educators doing more of the teaching part and the great clinicians doing the more complicated cases. Uh, you know, again, trying to play to everybody's strengths. But... Can I give you a couple of real world examples as you and I were going back and forth on this topic where understanding your superpowers in the different facets of your life is so helpful as well as understanding the things you don't love to do. I'm going to jump into that. I'm giving a couple examples why I think this topic, if people not, not only just take the assessment, that's step one, but do the couple things to fully understand and take the time with somebody else, that's critical. You don't necessarily have to hire somebody. You can, but you need somebody who knows it and is into it and you can bounce these things off of, like you've said many times, not to be on this journey. Here's an example. Here's some basic stuff. If you're having a tough day at work and your mindset is not on that normal, positive, I can do it kind of place, uh, it's a very, your mindset is, I don't want to say negative, bud, but it's heavy. You're carrying a lot for whatever reason, for whatever reason. That is a time I believe I would recommend to people, don't do a project that might be overly complex at that moment if that is not something you love to be in. Go to an area, if you're having one of those days, go to an area where you like and enjoy it. If you're a person that really enjoys, uh, for instance, could be, something very tactical. Um, they love, for lack of a word, checking boxes, doing things that they can get off their list that they can knock out. Could be a, a, a quick financial report. They really enjoy that and they're really good at it. And they're having one of those tough days. Do that. It'll help you get through that day, still be successful because you had to do it, you like to do it. And instead of maybe you're not the most idea person but you have to put together a presentation at work a powerpoint and that's an area where it's not your greatest area but you know you have to do it that would not be the day to do it bud uh let's get in our personal lives you and i are beginning to working out if you're having a struggling day and you know you've got to go work out <coughs> excuse me 
maybe that's the day. Do something at the gym or outside that you really enjoy. Do something you're really good at instead of going to maybe something that you're not really. If you're not a person who loves to do burpees and you're in one of those moments that day where you're fighting, thinking, hey, I might not even go today. I'm busy. I got all this other stuff. Maybe get into an area where something you're really good at and you love to do it. And it'll get you to the gym that day, which is a win because you're not at your best, but you got there and you did hopefully progress. Did I say that right? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, that's where this application and understanding of what we're really good at and our superpowers can be very helpful in our lives to make sure we're continuing to have a successful day when we all have those days where Again, I don't want to say we have a negative mindset, but it's just a heavy day for us. But well, you know, too, and, and again, not to, not that everybody needs to hire Pike on one, although that would be nice. Uh, Amen. Amen, brother. Uh, but I do encourage you to really dig into this. It's like we get back to you know being the drum about how we both value coaching and how important coaching um, certainly was for me in my career development and my personal development and. Uh, and helping me see who I was and what I was good at, my superpowers, my areas of weakness, things I enjoyed, helping explain why I struggled at some things and was good at other things, um, you know, that I didn't even know I was good at. And, you know, they helped open my eyes. Uh, I think these assessments are really important, but I think they're hard to get the full value yes. um, out of them without the time commitment and the expertise that a coach uh, can bring to it. Uh, and I think they're so important to help you take your organization, your your own leadership to another level, to help you get to wherever else you wanna go, uh, move forward. You know, if you're content just standing where you're at and you got a great gig and it's fine like that, then that's fine, you don't need this. But if you really wanna do more, be more, um, yeah, yeah, and I think it'll bring you more joy and success if that's important to you. Um, so I, I can't encourage people enough to look into hiring someone who can help you because I think these kinds of things too, to get the full uh, impact <clears throat> and the full benefit from them really require a, a shift, a time commitment, uh, a cultural commitment to it. We did this for a bunch of the people in my department um, COVID shut us down because a lot of this is one-on-one -on -one and that, but we were in the process of having everybody get a Hogan assessment and then taking all that information and figuring out where people fit best and helping them improve on some of their weaknesses that were holding them back. Uh, Hogan talks about, you know, uh, overused strengths and how that can hold you back. You know, you keep banging the drum of, you know, whatever it is that you're good at. Uh, you know, for like me, the learning is uh, um, a strength of mine, but it can be an overuse strength if I, you know, beat people up over it because they're not as uh, well-informed or as curious or inquisitive, right? And so that would be an overuse strength and, um, you know, right, well, why don't you know that and things like that. And so it's really helpful, but it really takes a big cultural uh, commitment. And I think coaches, uh, teams, that are good at these types of things. And, and this is what they do for a living is help implement those and value organizations um, are critical. It, it, but I, I'll go back to one of our book reviews 
a couple months ago where the judger mindset, remember that? Ask a question, change your life. Yep. And I think about that as a learner, if somebody comes to you or you're having a conversation with them and I don't want to say they miss a fact, but there's something there's missing, you have to make sure you don't become a judger. Yeah, absolutely. Like how, how could you possibly have a conversation and you don't fully understand everything A through Z? You need to keep your, you need to put your hat off seeking to understand, especially as a leader within your organization, um, not to judge that person. Right. Well, it's helpful because then you realize that, like, I realize I'm the oddball, not them. Right. That I'm the one who's sort of on the other end of the spectrum, you know, in some Right. In some, you know, so you have to be a little bit mindful. And it, it was, it, I tell you, it was, it's been really helpful. Um, I refer back to my Hogan assessment a bunch of times, uh, you know, probably every year, uh, maybe twice a year, just to kind of stay in touch with who I am and, and the, uh, or if I'm struggling with a situation that I can't quite figure out why I'm struggling with it. You know, I sometimes read through and say, ah, okay, that that's where I'm having issues because this is, you know, sort of who I am and one of my weaknesses or, you know, one of my one of the, the dark sides of my strengths. Um, so I, I find that helps shift my mindset because we talk about that a lot, too. Um, but I think because I don't do it all the time, it doesn't necessarily incorporate it. Or if we had a cultural coach and something like that in an organization, um, it would really be helpful uh, for anybody. <clears throat> And it's a, and it's more I mean, whether it's Hap, whether it's Sean Aker, who is the gentleman who talks about happiness as an advantage in his book. Data supports when people are happier, uh, positive, they perform better. Yep. And I, I and I always tell people, you don't have Mr. Aker, you don't have to agree with his data, his numbers. You know, that's that's for you to decide. All I can tell you is personally. All his information means to me personally is I agree with him in the sense that when I'm happier in a better mindset, I'm better. I'm better at work. I'm better at home. I'm better in the gym. I'm better everywhere because my mindset. Swimming is a struggle for me, as you know. I'm not good at it. I just learned it when I was 50. When my mindset is good and focused, I'm, I'm, I'm better at it than when I've got a lot of things in my mind and I'm weighing me down. That same thing I believe with all this stuff. This not only can help productivity for individuals who continue to want to be their best selves, as well as organizations who want to continue to grow and be better and increase productivity, it can help their culture. It can help their communication, which ultimately should even increase their productivity better if our communication is better, if our culture is better. So these things are more than just uh, disc, for example, you and I are big fans of that of personality stuff. It's not about the personality. It's about understanding our behaviors. And I always use you an example. And it's like my brother will change in a heartbeat on stuff. There's a caveat, though. You better make sure you answer the seven question he has. And I'd say it in a funny music. I go when I call him and there's a topic I'm asking for his opinions. I know he's coming back with seven questions. He, it's, he's going to, okay, what about this? What about that? Where's this? But if we get to them, he is then going to have his opinion like, okay, move, we can move forward with this. Makes complete sense. I'm on board because he's a critical thinker. And that helps me who he's another level. That's his superpower. So I can benefit from that. I use my Susan, my wife, 
Her superpower is that her listening skills, her kindness, her peacemaker, keeping things together, looking outside our inner circle, how it affects others, all amazing things that can help me. But if you're going to just ask her to change overnight, that's not fair. That's not in her DNA. She needs more than, hey, we're going to change. She needs to have that one-on-one conversation to understand and go back and forth on it. She's not the problem. I'm the problem because I am not communicating all the different things and getting her involved in the decision-making process. That's on me. But sometimes the average person might just say, oh, that person doesn't want to change. That's not in their DNA. That's incumbent upon me as the other person having that conversation or leader in an organization. Don't get frustrated. you got to know that. If you've got a critical thinker in your team, you better have that one-on-one with them if you want them to change. Or if you're having, if Susan's on your team, she's amazing, but you better have that one-on-one conversation if you want to create that change. That's an incumbent upon you, but you really need to dig deep and understand that about yourself and others to get there. And I can't say that enough, um, but the problem is it takes time, but. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's why it has to be valued. You have to carve out time, just like we talked about the coaching. You know, you really, because we value it. And and even then it, it was hard to do. And, and we never fully did, like I said, with uh, some of our uh, personality assessments for a variety of reasons. But um, I think it's uh, absolutely worthwhile. Okay, so your superpowers. So I, I, I mean, the first one is, well, they're actually both pretty easy. The first one is discipline. Okay, I mean, you're, you're the most disciplined person I know. Um, um, uh, probably for, I don't know, 30 years. I mean, you were incredibly disciplined uh, even when you were younger. Uh, and that's just grown more and more. Uh, and then the next one I would say would be your growth mindset. You're so optimistic and see the potential um, in the future and <clears throat> really reserve judgment on negative situations. You and I, you know, we'll butt heads on that. Like, too, like we'll talk about, let, let's say, even like Justin Fields. I'm, I'm much more on a, his passing stats were so hideous that I, oh, don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it's in him. And your, your attitude is, you know, he had so little around him that how could they be anything but and so that there's yes. huge potential right and you know you see more Jalen Hurts in him um than I do just because I haven't seen the evidence yet but you're always looking at yeah but there it's there it's just a question of tapping into it uh like the Eagles did with Hurts because Hurts Hurts is passing too was hideous his first year or so so uh so I think that's also a superpower of yours well, I, I would agree. Those are the two things that are strengths, superpowers, whatever. And thank you for that. I believe, Bud, the, the let's go on that growth mindset or positive mindset or seeing the opportunity or the potential. I just, in, in over the years, I we'll, we'll stay on the sports theme for a second. I see so many people they're successful in one environment, very successful. Then they get moved to another environment and they're not as successful. Um, I started an AAU program that we ran for 10 years with a group of friends. And it was all, all guys that played 
college basketball or high school coaches because we wanted an organization where kids could come in and they were going to get developed authentically of people who knew the game. I didn't say perfect, but they knew the game. And here's where I'm going with this. We'd have people and coaches come up to us and say, why, you know, we don't understand. They play so well in your organization. And then I don't see it with us. And all of us would sit around sometimes and talk about them. We're like, well, it, 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 it's not always the kid. <laughs> it's the environment they're in. I mean, we had one kid who shot the basketball very, very well. He then moves on to his high school and he was struggling. And the coach, I remember calling and saying, hey, any thoughts? And, and I do appreciate the coach calling. I do respect that, by the way. Uh, he, was, he goes, I, I don't know why he doesn't shoot for us like he shoots for you. And we had a nice conversation. And I said, can I be authentic and genuine and just tell you that really what's going on? I said, it's all upstairs. It's all mental. He misses a shot or two, and he doesn't know if he's staying in the game. That's the environment, coach. That kid is such a good shooter. When he was in our area, when he's with us, he's got the green light to shoot, shoot, and shoot some more because he's so good. He feels the expectation is if he misses a shot or two, he's coming out. Nobody, and for those of you, whether you're in sports or not, if you're in an environment in your organization where you don't feel that you can fail or make mistakes, and I mean genuinely, the average person always says, oh, yeah, we have an environment. You can make mistakes and that. Ah, there's a, that's sometimes a, my, when I talk to employees, they feel that's lip service. That's not authentic. Um, so I said, coach, he doesn't feel that way. He feels if he's missing a couple, he doesn't bring value to the team in other areas and he's coming out. So that's where my positivity sometimes comes from is I think sometimes it's, I just see the environment and going to Justin Fields with the Bears. I believe that he, I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer. What I am saying is I think it's unfair for us to judge him based on the subpar talent that was surrounding him. So I am going to wait to judge him until he gets the talent around him. Then if he doesn't produce, then I think we have all the power, the rights in the world. And I'm not saying you guys are judging. You guys are just saying, I'm just giving you what I see. And what I see is <laughs> he's late throwing the ball. He holds it too much, blah, 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 which are all fair and fact. That's on the videotape. I'm saying, let me give him a chance when the guy's not getting killed and then let's decide. So that's where I think that comes from, bud. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. That's a good example about the kid, too, because that's important. And I do think a lot of organizations, a lot of organizations say the right things, but they don't do the right things. And what oh, I mean, you know, you know, we're all about X, Y and Z. Um, but if you ask people that work in the organization, they don't feel that way because they don't see the actions back up the words. Absolutely. And I always and I always say this, I, I, I've, I've been so blessed to work with so many wonderful people and smart and talented and driven at ADP, at Alcon, at Novartis. And now Pygon One, some of the people I'm meeting are just out of this world. I mean, really, I'm humbled to be at the table with a lot of these people. The, the one thing that I see with sometimes I've seen over my career with people is this. They're confident. They believe in themselves, they believe in others, but then when things get stressful, some of them change and they lose that confidence. And, and I get it, I understand there's pressure coming from the board of directors, shareholders, uh, people at the hospital, I, I get all that stuff. 
uh, we need to hit this number. I completely understand. I just always warn people that I'm coaching or executives I'm working with. I said, I hear you. I know it's it's very hard to change overnight. But if you can take a deep breath and a step back, I don't want to oversimplify this. But I was always better when I went to the free throw line in basketball when I was confident and I thought and believed the ball was going in. Irrelevant if there was two seconds left in the game or if it was at the beginning of the game. Didn't matter. Same thing academically. If I was going in to take the ACT test for the second time versus the first time, uh, I did better when I was more confident. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't looking over my shoulder. And in stressful situations and things get hard, I actually believe we need to double down on being confident. I didn't say not to have a sense of urgency. I just mean, I, I just love when I watch, we were at a high school game this year, Tyler and I, my oldest, and we were admiring the coaches on both teams, Coach Philip Carmel and Coach Kleinschmidt at Gordon Tech High School in, in the area here in Chicago. And I loved it. Kid misses a free throw, bud. Coach Kleinschmidt, who was an ex-player, phenomenal, by the way, a Chicago legend here. He goes, he yells the kid's name on it. Wasn't that crowded? I forgot the kid's name. He yells the kid's name. He kid looks at him. He goes, don't worry about it. You're going to make the next one. No one better than you. I go to Tyler. He's so good. And Coach Phil from Mount Carmel was doing, a kid did something, and he took him out of the game. And I, and you know what he did to him, bud? And you know Coach Phil because he's at your old monitor. You know what Coach Phil did? He hugged him and patted him on the head. And he, and I asked Phil next time I saw him, what'd you say? I go, curious, what'd you say to him? He goes, I'm going to get you back right in. He goes, don't worry about it. You're doing great. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned confidence. Uh, <clears throat> My oldest is help is is on one of the managers at the the bar restaurant that he works at and oh, he's involved in the interviewing process now and because you know the turnover is tremendous and they're always needing help and and he said that's the number one thing he looks for is when people come in is he you know I don't want him to be arrogant but I, I need him to be confident that they can do the work because yes. the people that we've hired that haven't been successful were ones that appeared unconfident. Um, uh, at the interview process you know they were uncertain didn't know if they could do it um you know in in a way that he said was 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 alarming you know not like oh you know humble oh, yeah i'm not sure i but i'm willing to work is he was it just was there's there was a certain there was uncertainty in how they answer the questions and and how they presented themselves uh and the ones that have come across as Again, not arrogant, but confident. Yeah, you know, I know I can do this. I want to be here, blah, blah. Those are the ones that have been successful. So I, I agree, the confidence part. And then that's part of, you know, coaching uh, is helping confidence. And people get confident by preparing. Um, our residents just took their board exams. And, and I, I told them all, I go, your ability to do well on this test is directly related to how prepared you are. Absolutely. <clears throat> how much time did you put in? You know, and how much and then this is we have a role, too, at the institution. And we've been doing this is helping them prepare wisely because, you know, they're, this is their first shot at it. They don't really know what it takes and we do know what it takes. And so, you know, we help lay out a preparation track for them. But obviously it's up to them to fully execute it. Um, but, you know, you I said you should be confident if you've prepared like we've 
instructed you to prepare, uh, then you will do well. If you haven't prepared, then it's more of a crapshoot. And I wouldn't be confident either of that. And that's no. what, that's a great point, Bud, because of this. What we're saying about this being confident, whether it's in business, sports, a teacher at a grade school, high school, college, whatever it might be, we are not saying as a leader in an organization to give false confidence out there. What we're saying is if you've got somebody who has the ability to do it, your, your vote of confidence with them, if they're prepared, they have the competency, right? And that's what we started this whole conversation with today is go full circle. If people have superpowers and strengths and we know they're good at and they're prepared, sometimes all they need is that vote of confidence from us as leaders to say, hey, teacher, you're going to be great with this talk. You're, you're amazing. You're confident. You know your data. Go for it. You're going to be great. On the other end, though, is if they're not very good, it's not a strength, and they're not prepared, we are not saying to give them the vote of confidence. That is an opportunity for us to have a conversation and say, how do we, what can we do to get ourselves ready and more prepared for this so you are ready to deliver the speech, presentation, go see this customer, do this p &L report, whatever it might be. That, I think, is the whole critical crux of this part of this conversation today. And you say? From your perspective? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's funny, too. We have a lot of the, you know, because I, I work a lot with the residents now on this and, you know, come on. Well, you know, I'm not a good test taker. And I stop them right there. I said, this test is is will not you will not pass or fail this test based on your test taking abilities it will it will you will fail or pass this test based on how much you sacrificed to put in the time and prepare <clears throat> and you know i'm dealing with residents these are all people who've crushed their college boards yeah, crushed their right. medical right crushed their mcats uh and have already crushed their licensing exams which are very very difficult i would say the I was least prepared because I was foolish for my first licensing exam, um, and that's the, the standardized test I did the worst on. And it wasn't because I was a bad test taker then, uh, <clears throat> because I prepared very well for the next one and did very well on it again, more in line with how I've done on standardized testing. Um, you know, and so it's just easy to hit, fall back. Well, I'm just not a good test taker. You know, I, I cut them off. I'm like, you don't have to be a brilliant test taker here where you can not know anything on the topic, but read the question and the answers and figure out which don't max and what are most likely and then eliminate two. And so now you've got a 50-50 shot and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> you know, it really, I think, does come down to preparation, confidence, especially for people as talented as the people I work with. Oh, you know? and I think there's a difference, too, for people like... There's when I was going to the free throw line with, you know, less than 10 seconds left in a game. There's a difference between nervousness and nervous energy as well. Giving a speech. I, I mean, I've, I've done a bunch this summer with, you know, over 100 people in the audience. And these are really smart people. Really smart people that I'm talking to. I wasn't nervous about the topic, but I absolutely had nervous energy. I was excited. I did my Tony Robbins, take some deep breaths, 
clear my mind. That's natural. And that's being a human. Right. Uh, but I knew the material. I knew what I wanted to say. Was I 100% confident I was going to be? No, I don't know if we're ever perfect. Right? Nobody hits every shot. But I had that nervous energy. I took my deep breaths, which it just works. I mean, if you take those inhale through your nose and then exhale and you do that five, six times, it does calm down the nerves and it gets you back on focus of where you need to be. That's different. But when I wasn't prepared for a test, I can think back in high school. If I read the book the night before and I got it done, but clearly how can I be as confident because I crammed the book and mom goes, I told you, you should have been prepared. You shouldn't just cram the book before the night before, Dave. Right. Well, that, you know, that reminds me, too. And, uh, you know, uh, Seth Curry's record for three pointers in a row at practice is three hundred ninety four. Wow. So when you hear when you hear that, you're like, well, how does he ever miss in a game? Right. It just shows you the environment and the pressure and the defense uh, in the you know matters. Right. And then I remember hearing a bird interview. A hundred years ago where he hit a game winner and he was just so, you know, you know, unflummoxed about it, right? And the 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 reporters like blah blah blah. And Bird looks at him deadpan. He goes, he goes, he goes. I better hit that shot for as hard as I work shooting that shot, and as often as I do it in practice, he goes, I better hit that shot. Yes. Um, and I've heard Bird in interviews, you know, even recently, you know, in the last handful of years, he still can't believe he missed that shot against the Lakers in game six that would have won the series for them. And then they end up losing in LA in game seven. I think it was, I may have that a little bit backwards that they, you know, it hit the back of the rim. He couldn't believe that they let him open like that. He did a nice move um, and got open and had a clean three point look and just hit the back of the rim dead on back of the iron and bounced out. And he says, yeah, I still can't believe I missed that shot. It's amazing. Right. So that's confidence. And that's, but it's confidence through obviously talent and skill, but a lot of preparation. Hard yes. Work. Right. And for Larry Bird, who's one of the greatest basketball players, Hall of Famers, of people don't know Larry Bird, yeah. his superpower too would be shooting a basketball and his IQ for the game of basketball. Yeah. He saw, he saw things before they even happened yeah. because of that. He had a superpower. That also was part of it. And you wanted the ball in his hands, all that stuff. So that goes all involved in what we're talking about today. Uh, I don't know if dribbling a basketball or covering the quickest and most athletic person, I would put Larry Bird if I was the coach in that situation. And now remember, I think it's a great point. Larry Bird was slow and he wasn't the greatest dribble in the world. So if I was the coach, I don't. He is not covering the most athletic guy. He would not have been covering Michael Jordan, nor would I've had him bringing the ball up the court as a coach, because that's not his superpower. That would have been Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson, some other great players in those time frames. So that is where, and I think, uh, as always, our time flies so quickly on these podcasts. Uh, I wanted to make sure that as people are walking away, the opportunity here, the opportunity is there's so many different assessments that you can take out there to help you on this journey, you should try some of them. If that's not your cup of tea, what you can do right away is go to the people in your inner circle at work or even at home and ask them the question and ask them to think about it. Let me say that again. 
They have to know you really well and you have to have them think about it. It cannot be the first right away answer. It needs to be in depth and they need to think about it. I don't think it's as good as taking the assessments, but at least it's a start in that journey that you're going through. Organizations and people, what I think is so great about this stuff, whether it's a strength assessment, whether it's a personality behavioral assessment, and again, people, when I say DISC, get away from the personality piece. This is about behaviors. It's about understanding your behaviors and how you act and how others act so you can modify them. This is not about personality, uh, even though that's what they're called, is about how we can modify our behaviors to optimize our communication with people. And communicating with people is hard because people are hard. They're not easy, they're complex. But what this does is it creates a common language on teams, in families, in organizations. There's a common language we all understand and we work under. It, it gives us the ability to understand ourselves and others so we can best communicate, so we can be most productive for ourselves. Or when we're not having those great days, about 25 minutes ago I brought up, when we're not having our great days and we're not at our best, maybe we lean in on activities that we're really good at so we can be productive to our best ability. That might not be the day that we lean into things we're not as good at, or as in the book, The Working Genius, those things that we're competent at or those things that frustrate us. That might not be the day we spend time on things that frustrate us because we don't have that intellectual capacity potentially or that mindset that will give us the best opportunity to be our best selves and succeed. Because ultimately all these assessments and working with other people, whether it's a coach or people that really wanna spend time on this. And I gotta say that again, if you're going to spend time on it, you really need to invest to become your best self. I wanted to make sure I got out there. Brad, as we close out, anything you wanna to say to finish this? Well, yeah, you know what? Uh, we're on all-star break time for baseball, and I, I just want to point out that the Rays and the Braves are the two best teams in baseball. And what <laughs> my what my brother is referring to, for those people who didn't listen to the podcast, as baseball was starting, he and I made our predictions. And I threw him a little bit under the bus because I didn't give him a lot of time to plan. But even with his critical thinking and being a little bit uncomfortable because he didn't get to do his five hours of analysis and analytics on it. He has picked the two best teams in baseball. Myself, I have the two teams I picked to go to the World Series, not so good. And my White Sox are terrible, and I picked them to win the division. And he said, no way, they're not. So he is 100% correct on all of it so far, halfway through the year. And uh, I'm in a little bit of trouble right now on our little wager that we put on this. So. Um, thank you for bringing that up to share with our audience today. Well, you know, the point, too, is it, it, I didn't know a lot, but what I did is I said rule changes. The smart teams are going to be able to take advantage. The dumb teams won't. Uh, oh. Young teams, the, the younger teams have had players who played under these new rules in the minor league, so it will be less of a big deal for older teams. It'll be more of an adjustment. Young adaptive coaches will be better at this than older or more fixed coaches. And so that's what that's, and I, and I, so I knew the Rays and the Braves had young, young rosters, smart teams, great organizations, great farm teams. So they'd be able to bring up guys and the White Sox are the opposite. So it was easy. 
And you know where I made my mistake? The two teams I picked to go, I don't know if that was – though the two to go to the World Series, I'm still okay with Toronto Blue Jays. They just happen to be in a phenomenal division. Yep, yep. They're, you know, but, and they're, they're still in the hunt. So they've got a chance to do it. The Padres, there's something wrong there. It's yeah, culture, environment, because they have the talent. So I'm, I'm not really yeah. overly upset on that one either. Here's where I'm disappointed, and here's where the, ultimately the one that sickens me. And I don't even talk baseball anymore almost because of this. That is the White Sox. And that was a strictly fan-based, emotional. They're in a horrible division. How could they possibly not win it? especially after getting rid of the worst manager in baseball. But again, their leadership and infrastructure is to what you said. They're the opposite of that, and they stink. That's the one that sickens me. Yep. Oh, yeah, they're unwatchable. uh, Unwatchable. We've been to one game this year, and that's only because we love the food. And uh, our good friend Mike Fagan called us and had tickets, and it was a a nice day. Yeah, in general, it's a fun experience, but they're really unwatchable unwatchable everyone thank you for listening to win the 16 podcast we really appreciate you listening to us also i always have to say for those that have bought win the 16 principles and strategy to optimize your day thank you for purchasing it thank you as well for reading it and as always you can reach us here at pygon1.com And again, everybody, thank you for listening today. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to our next podcast with you. Thank you for listening to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One. Please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Episodes will be released every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you and go Win the 16.